This episode of Bushes Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. Thank you so much for the support throughout the entire season. Seriously, it's been a crazy run. We've gained so much support over the past couple weeks. For the price of a beer or a cup of coffee, you can support the Patreon. We're still doing BSBOTs. The playoffs are over. We're not doing playoff reaction games after every single game this time, but we're still doing two weekly episodes, one that comes on this, this right now that you're listening to, and also on our Patreon every single week. So if you want to support the show, we really appreciate it, and it means a lot to us how we keep going. Big mailbag episode today. Talk about Kako getting benched in an elimination game. Talk a lot about Gerard Gallant, the most criti- the most critical we've ever been on him. I'm sure a lot of people will disagree. I get it. Uh, but at least let's know our argument. And then uh, we uh, answer it. a lot of mailbag questions. So without further ado, let's get to Mark Messier, ESPN great and Ranger great as well, uh, to introduce the show. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Bushers Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of Patreon.com. For, thank you for all your support and throughout this wonderful season. And I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan, for our exit interviews. Greg, let's talk about the season. Say hello. Uh, it's just very nice of you to actually tell me what we're talking about today, as opposed to me just finding out when I looked at the lineup tonight. What lineup? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's just questions? Well, I'm confused. I don't know. What's this joke? Oh my God! You, the Pope of the Church of Kako, is unable to sniff out a Kako quote. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! No. Wow. All right. So, looking for a new okay. podcast yep. host, taking requests. Let's just start again, okay? Uh, hey, Bushwick Beggar fans, I'm an idiot. All right. Um, where do we even start? We recorded uh, last week. In between last week and now, we recorded four BSBOTs for those who haven't listened. One of them is about Ryan's from missing the net. One of them is about some questionable losses uh, and then not having any ability to 5v5. Some of them is about Igor Shosturkin being a literal god. And then the last one and the final one is about, uh, I'm pretty sure they're sitting Kapokako in a must-win elimination game six. And instead of heading into this offseason with the uh, narrative of, hey, what a nice season. The Rangers made a great run to the Eastern Conference Finals. They had They really built some real momentum heading into next year. We got the experience we wanted for the kids. Everything's fine and dandy. Gallant was okay here and there, but really, he brought us to the Easter Conference Finals, so how can we complain? And instead of having this kind of, okay, let's talk about what the offseason's going to be like, and it's kind of nice, isn't that fun, don't we feel nice? None of that's happening now. Uh, instead, we bench Capococco. There's now a million offer sheet and trade rumors. We've had exit interviews today. People cried. People were unhappy. There's intrigue and drama all around. Where do you want to start? I do think it's really tragic, I guess, is the word to say. I would have said funny, but, you know, tragedy can be funny sometimes. Shakespeare made a living. Uh, You know, there's some jokes in Romeo and Juliet. It's not all doom and gloom. Um, Had the Rangers lost game six in the fashion that they did with Kako in the lineup, we still probably would have opened this show today talking about, you know, Similar things we've talked about in the past about how if players are trying to play hurt in the playoffs, it's the coach's job to realize when they're not being effective anymore. Why was Ryan Strom in the lineup? And I think that essentially is where we would boil down our in-game analysis to just the benefits of playing Strom, whether the Rangers would have been better off, you know, the crazy sentences of like, I'm not, 
a fully healthy Ryan Strom is not the guy we're talking about here. So are we making the argument that like a fully healthy Kevin Rooney is more effective than a 65% healthy Ryan Strom? The fact that Strom couldn't have finished the game would have been another thing, blah, blah, blah. But you go down the list, and I think at the end of it, we would have said Gallant probably made the wrong decision. But, man, the New York Rangers exceeded all expectations this year, and it's hard to really be angry about any one thing. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> no, hold on. That's, that is the utopia we'd be living in had Capo Cocker. Cocker could have had a bad game. Cocker could have played like shit, and we'd still be living in utopia being like, man, that season completely shattered expectations. They got within two wins of winning the Eastern Conference. They took uh, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions to the brink. What a year. Hard to be angry about anything. We'll talk about off-season storylines and drama and all that. But really, hard to be anything but positive. And with one simple decision, everything got turned up upside down. And it's not even – yeah, we're, we're Kako fanboys. We own that. We get it. But it's, it's what I said Saturday that still rings true today. The New York Rangers, by making this decision – have welcomed questions that didn't exist before Saturday that sends their entire plan into turmoil. This isn't cut and dry. This isn't simple hockey anymore. You Saturday going into Saturday, before we heard any rumblings of anything, 1% chance that Kapokaka wasn't going to be a New York Ranger. And while I still think the odds are very low, they were multiplied tenfold in one decision. It's incredible. When Friedman gets involved in this, and I know this this sounds a little and sounds stupid like hockey man, but when he goes on 32 Thoughts and says, I had multiple executives. There's a Slack notification. Awesome. Thought I turned that off. Great job, Ryan. Awesome at this job. Uh, when Friedman goes on 32 Thoughts and says, I had multiple executives and people text me like there are already teams lining up offer sheets. Like they cannot believe the Rangers are doing this. They're going to go after him. That awakes a beehive. Whereas... If he if that didn't happen, maybe teams just sit back on their heels. It's it's why teams didn't go after Tampa Bay with offer sheets, right? Hey, those guys aren't going to sign it. They're happy there. They're 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 he wants to stay in New York. They want to stay in Tampa. Whatever it is, and they just sat back. Now you're telling Capo uh, Caco. No, but it, I got I, I'll interject one sure. thing. Mm-hmm. Friedman does understand his audience a little bit. I'm just going to call bullshit on the offer sheet front. It's it's that simple. If, more, if teams were actually lining up with offer sheets, we'd see more than one a year. We don't even see one a year. We see one every three years. It just Elias Pettersson didn't get an offer sheet. I'm sorry. They, they just don't happen. I know it's, it's what we would do, right? We put ourselves in the GM chair. We see an underappreciated asset that might be upset with management and how he's been handled in a certain situation. And you see an undervalued asset that you could pounce on, and all you have to do is give up a couple meaningless draft picks for that sounds great. That sounds good. More teams should do that. And we, I I don't know how many times we came on this podcast and said how just idiotic it was that no team was picking up the phone and having conversations with Sorelli and Sergachev at the same time. Sorelli's a crime deal. They're both a crime. And and forcing Tampa to just make a choice. It's ridiculous. I would love to believe that the NHL was an offer sheet league. It just isn't. It just isn't. I I'm just, if it happens, I would be extremely surprised. I hope you're right, as you know, but I, I think the ability to give a $4 million contract to Capo Caco, which the Rangers really couldn't afford to, if someone offered... Uh, I'm going to push back on that one, too. They sure can. This, this will be my first point of the show. We've talked about this cap crunch mm-hmm. that the New York Rangers are in this offseason. And, yeah, I mean, they're not, they don't have the room to 
go out there and make a deal or trade for Pasternak and extend him or like some wild, big swing dick move like that. Sure. New York Rangers, they have $12 million in cap space roughly right now when you take into account this Rydal deal and the Kravtsov deal. And they really have a Kako contract to hand out and decide what they want to do at 2C. And not even 2C because of the growth of Filipino. Essentially what they want to do at 3C. You can you they have twelve million dollars. If a team gives Coppel four million, yeah, it's about a million more than the Rangers would want to do. The Rangers aren't broke. The Tampa Bay Lightning were broke. They could not afford to keep Sorelli and Sergachev until um, Kucherov magically needed surgery. That's the only reason those guys signed. With Kako, if Kako wants four million, the team offers him four million. The Rangers go, thank you for doing my work for you, and we'll gladly take Kako on a four million deal. They that's it. Kreider, Mika, Lafreniere, all under contract. Panarin, under contract. Goodrow, Hedo, Kravtsov, all under contract. Hunt, Rydall, Blay. Blay is not going to cost the Rangers anything either. You could add $2 million to him there. Great. Reeves is your 13th uh, forward. Lindgren, Fox, under contract. Miller, Truba, under contract. Jones, Schneider, under contract. The only two player spots on the Rangers roster where they don't have an inkling of who's going to play, seventh defense and backup goalie. You're not going to spend $2 million on those positions. Rangers got plenty of room. If a team wants to offer Kako $6 million, like the Hurricanes did, yes, Barry, Kotkaniemi, yeah, I think the Rangers might have a problem then. $4 million, it's a walk in the park. You have done Chris Drury's job for him. Congratulations. Like I, it's, I it, think it's more it's the long-term. Uh, I agree with you that this year that that's actually correct. No, long-term, they got money... They're going to have to bridge Miller and Lafreniere anyway. Those guys aren't going to get six and a half on their first deal. So the big question, Rangers got 20 plus million in cap space next year. And Heedle's the big question that they'll have to answer then. But they like, we're talking two years down the road where the Rangers might have a crunch and the cap is supposed to keep going up. So I, this offseason, if a team wants Kako, they're going to have to offer him six. I don't want to like, bridge that's Miller. That's the only way the Rangers are going to say no. I'll tell you, I don't want to bridge Miller right now. I wish I could give him a long-term contract. I know Lafreniere wouldn't probably accept anything other than a bridge because of his performance and points and obviously money earnings potential. Uh, but I, I mean, Miller's a guy I would not want to bridge if I had the opportunity. I'd like to sign I'd bridge, him. For... I'd bridge Miller because you're going to have to decide which of Miller and Lindgren you're going to want to back that wagon up on. So bridge Miller, have them essentially come up for a contract at the same time, make a decision, then trade the other one. I'm <laughs> fine with that. Going to be quite the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't even get to Kravtsov yet. They re-signed Kravtsov, or they extended him for one year, and they gave him a... It's a deal where he makes NHL money if he's in the AHL or in the NHL. Either way, no matter what happens. Uh, and yeah, from, but if the Rangers try to send him down, they got to send him on waivers, so they're not going to do that. Correct. And this time around, I, I, I guess, there was a 1% chance last year when we were talking about it, it looks like unless Chris Jury finds a trade partner for Vitaly Kravtsov, which he might, but I think he'd be selling low at this point. And maybe he did this to get some leverage. <laughs> yeah, oh, you think? You oh, think you think? Yeah. He'd be selling low? He absolutely would be selling low. Uh, it looks like Vitaly Kravtsov is going to play for the New York Rangers again. And that didn't lead the show ten, until 10 minutes in, which seems like yeah. banana land. Well, I also, but I also got to tell you, like, the whole fact that you just said Kravtsov looks like he's going to be a Ranger and you want me to sit here and be upset that Kapokako might not be? Like, come on. You can't say the second part and the first part and mean two different things at the same time. Like, if the Rangers somehow didn't burn the Kravtsov bridge, who, by the way, not just didn't play in – he also didn't play in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Final. They, they also benched him. Yes, they sat. He didn't even make the roster over a guy named Lieber Hayek. And that bridge apparently wasn't nuked. 
the way that we assumed it would be nuked because that is the biggest insult I could possibly think that you would levy on some player on the New York Ranger roster. If that bridge can be mended, I have no reason to really think Kakapokako is actually leaving. It's that simple. It's not that complicated. Personally, just from my point of view, if I was Kako, I would look for a way out. Just me. Because my earnings potential to go to another team to get an offer sheet or hopefully get an offer sheet or ask teams to offer sheet me or ask teams to come trade for me is because I know I'm not getting power play time here. Power play time equals points. If you have less points, you make less money. And so just just from a, an earnings potential standpoint, I can see why Kako would want out, especially right, when but they... every every player, every restricted free agent should be wanting offer sheets. They're, you're not breaking news by saying Cabo Kako's the first guy who's been uh, underused by his current team and is a restricted free agent. Fair. Like, Elias Pettersson should have wanted an offer sheet because he would have gotten more money that than contract's the Canucks a steal. were offering him. Mitch Marner should have wanted an offer sheet because the temp- Toronto Maple Leafs were playing hardball with them. Connor McDavid back in the day, I don't even think he got an opportunity. He probably should have wanted one too. Every restricted free agent should want an offer sheet. Braden Point should have wanted offer sheets. He told the Rangers, no, fuck off. I'm just going to negotiate with Tampa. It's a stupid league. And the agents are just, the agents that represent these players, pretty complicit in the stupidity of this league. Yeah, Kako should see that he would want, I, the lip service Gallant ran out. First of all, me saying Kako's coming back has nothing to do with the fact that Gerard Gallant made an absolutely ridiculous decision to scratch him in game six. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I don't believe Gallant when he says Kako's going to be playing ex- almost exclusively top six minutes next year. That man has lied enough for me to just know that whatever he says is utter fucking bullshit and it smells as such coming out of his mouth. So I have no interest in the words of Gerard Gallant and what they mean. But I do know that the Rangers need Kako to be really good if the Rangers want to get back to this point in the season because certain things I know for sure won't probably happen again. I don't expect Chris Kreider to score 50-plus goals again. Uh, I don't expect the Rangers to be able to trade draft picks for guys like Vetrano, Kopp, and Mott to make this lineup that much deeper at the trade deadline again. I don't expect um, Ryan Strom's production level to be matched by whoever the Rangers decide to slot into that 2C role. It would be ridiculous for me to think a guy's going to put up I understand he's playing with Artemi Panarin, but it ain't that simple. Hockey's a little bit more complicated than that. I got a lot of expectations and growth from Capococco. The fact that he could possibly play 75 games minimum would be a huge step in the right direction for the New York Rangers. I do think we forget that this guy missed three months this year. Didn't play hockey. I did not forget. Did not forget. So it's... You can no, see the, if, the if scar on his, on his wrist. On the if I'm Kako, yeah, I want to I wanna maximize my own personal value, but that's something I want to do at all times. That doesn't mean leaving New York. For, the restricted free agency is beautiful because the team has a chance to just match. That's why more teams should just be using it to their advantage. You don't want to negotiate with Kako? Go see what the league thinks he's worth. Make someone put pen to paper and sign him to a deal, and then you get to decide if you think he's also worth that much. And if you disagree, guess what you get? Assets in return that you could possibly use later down the road to get a player you think actually matches the value that that team paid Kapokako. It's great. It's wonderful. Every player should go get an offer sheet and sign one. And every team should think about matching it. This isn't that hard. This isn't a bad thing. It just isn't going to happen. It's not. It took a special circumstance for Kakeniemi to sign his offer sheet. The Canadians fucking demoted him. They didn't play him. 
The Rangers, yes, they shelter Kako's minutes, but every game that man was healthy before game six of the Eastern Conference Finals, he was in the lineup. So I'm not overly worried about him leaving because I don't think this league is smart enough to pick him up. That's simple. It's and it, I, all of that. I hope you're right. I want to make teams sure, I, worry, I, I get worried about for sure. I want to make sure I'm not excusing Gerard Gallant in any of this. He created a situation that didn't need to exist. He made the absolutely worst possible judgment on how to set a Ranger lineup in a must-win game. He broke up the one line that was clicking all postseason long and inserted a player who he says was to help win them the game. Why wasn't he playing the previous 16 playoff games if this player was that much helpful to the lineup? It's flawed logic, and he did all this all while knowing his top six center, Ryan Strom, probably wasn't going to be able to finish the game due to injury. And it was up to Strom, might not have even played the game at all. And he made all these decisions in the scope of his team's needs and said, no, I don't need Kako in this lineup. He doesn't add anything that these other guys couldn't add. It's horrific coaching. Horrific. And the, yet, well, Kako's not You didn't even there. mention the worst part in my eyes, which is he Kako found out when he was at morning skate and looked at the chart and he wasn't on it. No one yeah. came. No one came to talk to him. All it why, takes, why would they, Ryan? They'd have to be doing their job if they talked to him. All it takes is go players. it goes go to Kako and be like, Hey, listen, you've been great this series. I just we want to add a little physicality. Say some bullshit. You don't have to you don't have to tell the truth. <laughs> Whatever it is. You just go to Kako and be like, Listen, I know we're benching tonight. Doesn't mean we don't believe in you. We just like this matchup better. We saw this, this, and this. We're gonna go for it. If we get to game seven, you're in. They didn't do that. Kako yeah. went to well, skate. You know, you know why, Ryan? What because Galant's not an adult, he's a hockey player. And I think I mean that the way it sounds, by the way. I think certain professional athletes in every sport, like you you don't mature and grow up the same way that other people do. Because certain things have happened in your life that you, you don't share an experience that most other people experience. Like, could you have seen John Cooper not having a conversation with Capo Caco before that no, game? No, Co- Cooper would have called him. Per- like, Caco, is, he's a mild-mannered individual. He's not a lot going on there. Just likes to play hockey, stays late at, at the rinks to get there early, all that all that stuff. Just a, just a good kid, good all-around kid. I don't think but, this was a, a disciplinary action. I think John Cooper would have called him up and would have been like, hey, listen, I, I know this hurts to hear. We're sitting you. Here's why. We found out these analytics. We like this matchup here. We want you to work on this this summer so we can play you in these matchups again. Again, we really believe in you. And instead, yeah, it was just like... But it's it's not even a conversation that you have to have with kids' gloves. You can just be like, Kako, we think the world of you. You are going to be such an important part of this team's success over the next decade. You're not ready right now. That's partly on us. We will get you ready before next season. But for tonight, this guy gives us a better chance. And it's on us to make sure you give us better chances in the future. Give him the tough love argue, talk. Just fucking talk to him, though. You have to be an adult. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they didn't do that, dude. He locked up. It was like, oh, I guess I'm not playing an elimination game in the Eastern Conference Finals. What? What? And uh, I don't know. I know Dryden Hunt didn't play much in the game anyways. It's not like it could have been a, a negligible outcome. It didn't really matter. The Rangers weren't generating anything 5v5. I think we all the injuries came out. Like, Lindgren had a high ankle sprain. Goudreau was bro- uh, skating on a broken ankle. Some uh, some other injuries probably didn't get reported as well. Uh, there were some broken hearts between Mika and Kreider. And that that was kind of it. It was just like, it didn't really matter. But the, like you said, the Rangers invited all of this by not playing their second overall pick from three years ago in an Easter Conference final elimination game. And then had the gall to not only in-game when Emily Kaplan asks, 
Gerard Gallant, where you explain why you sat Dryden Hunt or, or playing Dryden Hunt over Capococco. But immediately after the game, when they lose, their season is over. Gerard Gallant goes, no, I don't think so. It's not the time to talk about that. When is the time? Was it exit well, interviews? When you but said again, this this is this is part of my point. Gerard Gallant's not an adult. Like the rules have been different for Gerard Gallant his entire life because he was a super successful hockey player and was just engulfed in this culture his entire life. So he doesn't he doesn't experience life in any other form besides being good hockey player. And good hockey players talk a certain way when they are asked hard questions, especially guys in his generation who were quote-unquote locker room leaders, right? The, the, the gritty, hard-nosed enforcer who could also put pucks in the back of the net. Their interaction with life, very different from yours, mine's, and most of the people listening to this show. There's nothing about Gerard Gallant that says he is an adult who can handle critical thinking situations in my mind. And that's probably the meanest thing I've actually said about any human being on this podcast, not named Tony D'Angelo, but I'm starting to believe it to be true because any adult, any adult, Mike Sullivan has that conversation. Fucking Bruce Cassidy has that conversation. John Cooper has that conversation. But you know what's even more shocking? David Quinn has that conversation, and he's a fucking terrible coach. Like, if, if you're doing something <laughs> that David Quinn would have done successfully, boy, can't think of anything meaner. Like, the only person I would sit here and say probably wouldn't have had that talk with the player is Elaine Vigneault. It's Elaine Vigneault, because we know he didn't do it with Buchnevich. Like, we yeah, know that happened. That's, that's the quality of coach I expect to not talk to his players and assume that means they get the correct messaging. The one, honestly, the one saving fact here for me, Ryan, is Kako had to sit next to Ryan Reeves for that entire game, and I'm sure Reeves talked to Kako about it. And that actually puts me at ease a little bit. I didn't think about that angle, and I like that a lot. Ryan Reeves, I, I would enjoy Ryan Reeves being an assistant coach on this team, like, tomorrow. Assistant coach, let him coach. Yeah, <laughs> like, get me going, that's what, for sure. What would Ryan Reeves and Gerard Gallant do differently? Because I'm not sure what Ryan Reeves would do. I'm pretty sure Gallant does nothing. I want to give Gallant some credit. Uh, some credit. The team did get to the Eastern Conference Finals. The team Thank did. You, Igor Shosturkin. You've been saying that all year, and I believe you. And it, it is a valid point. Igor Shosturkin is a game changer in a lot of ways. But there was something, I guess, I, I, I want to say intangible about what Gerard Gallant brought to the team. Whether it's, I want to call him a player's coach, but then he literally just left one of his players out to dry. <laughs> So well, like, no, he he is a players coach for the players that are Gerard Gallant guys, which right? is like think of think of the leash some guys like Mika Zibanejad get or Chris Kreider. I mean, again, those are guys that should get leashes, but also think of the leash Barclay Goodrow gets and Ryan Strom and fucking Dryden Hunt. Like Sammy Blay had a long leash. Okay, uh, all right, Disney I was gonna try and defend Gallant, but uh, we just talked about Ryan Strom, who has played his last game as a New York Ranger, by the way. I uh, has had a groin injury where he said, and I, I believe the quote is, it was like getting stabbed in the abdomen with a knife every time I skated. Uh, and he, he got it like towards the end of the season and he's been playing with it ever since. Okay. And we're going to just play him over Capo Caco. <laughs> right. No, that, that to me, the Caco over the hunt over Caco decision, independent of everything else is ridiculous. But then you add in the fact that, the game before, the reason you felt the need to keep uh, Kevin Rooney in the lineup is because you were worried Ryan Strom wouldn't be able to last the entire game. And then in the warm-up before game six, Strom couldn't even finish the warm-up before going back into the locker room for more treatment. 
So you understand that before this game starts, there is a chance a member of your top six is not going to be available in this lineup. If I understood that, if I heard that as a coach, my goal would be, all right, even, even if I think someone's not playing well, I at least am comfortable playing Capococco in a top six role because I've done that earlier this year. And I need to keep him in my lineup, whether I think he's right for this matchup or not, because I'm going to need as many options and bodies to go into that top six as humanly possible if and when Strom comes out of the lineup. And then you know what happens? Strom comes out of the lineup. And you know what happens? You look down the bench and you realize Kako isn't there. Why isn't he there? Because I got fucking Dryden Hunt playing in this game. And yeah, Hunt played in the top six. You want to know what he didn't do well throughout the season? Playing in the top six. Couldn't handle it. Wasn't his style of game. Why? Not his fault. But also, it's not his fault. That's not the kind of player that he is. Dryden Hunt out there with the Rangers season on the line with four minutes to go. What are we doing? (laughs) Any way you slice the individual decision, if you want to break it down just from the one game season standpoint, there's no way to make it justifiable. But then again, you add in with Kako specifically, it'd be one thing if he, if he had another year on his ELC and he was already under contract and he wasn't going to be a restricted free agent until the year after this, you, we, could, we could excuse it away. Oh, there's plenty of time to make up for this. Oh, he's got a whole full year to, to be groomed for this top six role. You can go down the line of excuses to talk yourself out of, yeah, I'm sure the trade rumors would still happen, but you can brush those away. It's the fact that you made this decision in the most important game of the year in the first season in which Capococco has at least a modicum of control about where he actually plays his hockey. So you made the worst possible decision at the worst possible time and at the worst possible time of year. You, you fucked yourself every way you look at it. And we're not, just to be clear, we're not saying that Capo changes this game. We're not calling Capococco a superstar no, Ranger, player. No, Rangers lose that game no matter what, yep. in my eyes. We are, I agree with you. I, we're not calling Capococco a superstar player. We're just saying he's a suitable, up high upside winger who is going to help you win an elimination game, possibly. Brian, and, all all you're actually saying is Capococco is better than Dryden Hunt. That's no, the bare that minimum That is you. a hot take. It is not. <laughs> it is not a hot take. Like, oh, man, the shift happened a week ago. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous like there was a game it's just it's it's ridiculous to me that we go through this entire playoff praising the kid line and we waited until the last game of the year for some people to be like well you know Kako is just a passenger fuck off show yeah. that this is my problem show that energy throughout all right G- if you want to make that Kako point, puts it on Heedle's tape and Heedle misses it wide which is fine not on Heedle that was a, it was a, it was still a nice pass but it was it was a hard play to make and then he like almost draws an offensive zone penalty, but the refs literally watch him get choked, and then nothing happens. Totally fine. But I do, I do want to say one or two nice things about Gerard Gallant because I don't think it's totally fair because he did bring this team to the Eastern Conference Finals. They found a way, and again, Igor Shosturkin is a big part of that. You are correct, but he was at the lead of this thing. He, he found a way. He finally benched Nemeth. That was gone. I give him credit there. He made some lineup adjustments against the Penguins and the Carolina Hurricanes, and they won. They, they did that. That happened. Then he just took all the goodwill he generated throughout the year and he put it in the trash can in like two games. Uh, and that's that's where we're at. I I So someone brought up, and I, I, I saw this was a five-star question, so sorry that I'm stepping on five-star questions a bit. Mm-hmm. I forgot that we gave Gallant an A- after the Hurricane series because we said, well, he's exceeded all expectations. What could he possibly do now to really well tank our <laughs> opinion of him? And I'd say it's like, 
you can have a really good semester and then flunk the final, right? And to me, Gallant really flunked the final, and I think it dropped him down to a C plus for the playoffs. Can I can I say that the Rangers got this far in spite of Gerard Gallant? Not entirely. I might feel that way right now, but it would be an inaccurate statement out of my mouth. Uh, and it's like all he had to do. It, like I wouldn't. I don't think th- this is the crazy thing. With the collection of players the Rangers had at their disposal, I don't think there was a player you could have put into the lineup over anybody besides Reeves that really would have made a difference for the Rangers. And even then, you're asking me to replace eight minutes of what exactly? The problem is, again, Reeves was constantly put in positions to fail because if I saw the fourth line take another offensive zone faceoff to potentially put Reeves in a position where he could be out of position in a critical juncture of the game, then yeah, I was going to lose my mind. But even then, we're talking small potato nitpicks that are easily fixable. How do you fix it? You just have better players on your fourth line, which the Rangers could do at any point. How, how do you fix other things the Rangers do? Just take Jacob Chuba off the second power play unit. Don't put Jacob, don't double shift Jacob Chuba. These are small things that could have happened that would have made, honestly, don't think it changes the outcome. Think the Rangers still lose the game but at least makes it more digestible. They're small things. They were they're, they're they were the worst team by small. a lot in that game. I, by a lot. I think after after game five, I would have had Gallant's playoff performance at about a B plus. I think the shine came off the penny a little bit as the deeper we got into the Tampa Bay series. But I would have been able to hang my hat mostly on the fact that Tampa Bay is just the better, more rested team. Yeah, and Cooper, and Cooper been, realized we had no legs. Yep. Like they just, yeah. He just totally was like, hey, you know what the Rangers can't do, guys? Skate. They were like, what? They can't skate? You're like, yeah, actually, they've played every other day for the past 70 days. <laughs> and yeah, I, think, I, I think they're I tired. Would have had no problem hanging my hat up and like, damn, what are you going to do? Sometimes you're not the better team. I wish some things went a little differently, a couple bounces here and there, because when you have a great goalie and he keeps every game close, you notice the little bounces more differently. Just hang your hat up, call it a tough day, B-plus, Gerard Gallant. I have some I have some gripes, but they're small gripes we can talk Right, like Sergachev scores twice, like on totally fluke goals that Igor can't see. Cool. Samkos gets a knee goal. It's a goal, though. Totally fine. I'm not calling it not a goal, by the way. It was a goal. Uh, it's just like those plays and, happen. Yeah, then, how many how many times would we come on this podcast after the first three losses to Tampa Bay, and we would just say sometimes dem to breaks? Feels like that's that was this the whole general series. narrative. But they but they were the, they were the better team. The Rangers played. The Rangers kept it close every single game. I know it was a four-game losing streak. They kept it close. They were in every single game. They did not get blown out. The refs were a little bit suspect, especially in Game 5. Like, really? Suspect in Game 5? But uh, but they were still in it, and they still matched up really well. And they had the chance to they had the chance to win this series in a lot of ways, but they couldn't yeah. generate any offense at 5v5. They couldn't buy a power play to save their lives, no matter what they did. And when they got a power play, I think it was t- two times in the last three games, they did not capitalize on it and that's the series that's as far as it goes Igor lets in what I would consider two soft ones against the Sergachev goals but again he didn't really see them they're from the blue line it's like the best way to get to Shosurkin if he can't see it then that's the best way he can, he's not going to see it because if he sees it that's it and then we we go to game six Rangers are not even they can't skate Ryan Strom literally can't skate and they get out they get skated out of the building and uh, Stamkos shows up in a big way. And again, it's like another fluky goal, but it still counts. They they found a way. That was just it. No, we 
the, the, the entire 20-minute opening of this podcast is not us being angry about individual things, not us arguing about the future of individual players, or at least, like, we're having conversations of do you give cop a four-year deal? What's the max number you go to on cop? Like, that's the general tone of what this podcast should have been. But then Gerard Gallant failed. He failed the final. There's no other way to describe it. I'm not saying he failed the class. He didn't. The Rangers still outperformed all expectation. You have to give him a passing grade for that. But he was at an A- minus going into this series and at a B-plus going into game six. And then he dropped a 47-burger on the last test of the year, and it crushed his average down to a C-plus. And it's impossible to ignore that. In fact, it's actually more annoying that he was so good. Like, if I was a teacher and I had a student who was crushing every assignment and knew all the answers or knew all the questions that were going to appear on the final and then threw up that fucking grade, I'd be like, what the, why are you even in school? What are you doing? You did all this work, all this good work, all this hard work to get to this point in the year. And it's your last game. And it's a 10 question. Yes or no test. (laughs) And all you have to do is answer each question. Just like, Try to answer them. And he's like, I'm just not going to even show up and take it. And you just completely shit on my desk. In fact, no, you showed up, dropped your pants, took a dump on my apple, and said, have a good summer. And I'm just like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? You screwed up how I'm going to view you for the next time you come into my classroom. You screwed Oh, also, while you took that shit on my desk all over my apple, you somehow pissed on one of the freshmen in the classroom, too. And now that freshman is going to have to deal with you next year in a way that he probably won't exactly enjoy. You fucked up everywhere. And it's so annoying. Because, again, again, it was just five, so close to being an amazing, like, feel-good season. It was almost impossible to mess this up. <laughs> it was so hard. It was so, like, if Kako put up a nothing burger in game six, I'd just be like, we don't even talk about it. Do? We don't even mention it. It's like, hey, the just, Rangers were the worst the worst team tonight. Everyone got outskated. The only person that showed up is, guess what, Igor Shosturkin. That would have been the whole narrative. Thank God for I, Igor. I just, that would have like, been imagine, it. I just, I don't, I don't, I can't believe he tanked his own good. We were finally being so nice to Gallant. I know. We were. And now Even we after have... game five, we weren't angry at Gallant. We were pissed off at Strom. Yeah, well, how could you not be? Uh, <laughs> Ryan Strom, by the way, shook uh, everyone's hands. Yeah, he, knows. he knows. He fucking knows. He knows. I, I was I was peeping Evolving Wild today, evolvinghockey.com, by the way. Everyone go there. You should also be supporting the Twins, even though they're Minnesota-loving sarcastic douches. There are Minnesota-loving <laughs> oh, sarcastic wow. douches. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard some things they've said about the Mets, and I don't quite appreciate. And they still crack Puchnevich jokes whenever they want, and I don't appreciate that either. So I love them, but fuck them at the same time. You know what I'm saying? That's Got all it. I'm saying. I get it. Anyway, I was peeping today. You Did you – I don't know if you saw me post this in the insider chat. I did not see. Did you see what Strom's projected cap number is? Can I this take summer? a guess? Yes. Is it 6.4 over 5 years? Sure isn't. It's uh 4 years most likely long-term outcome at 7.15 million dollars. 7.1. Year. 7.1. Yeah. Hey, buddy, he's a high performing point top 6 center who has good metrics both offensively and defensively. I really like Ryan Strom. He's been on this podcast. I think he's an underrated player. I'm, I was sick of him seeing missing the net. I think he's really good in the locker room. He clearly does something right with Artemi Panarin. There's a lot there. He was playing through injury. I feel bad that he tried to skate through that. It seems silly that he tried to play 
when he couldn't skate. Again, and skating is a lot of hockey. He couldn't skate. Very cool. Uh, 7.1 is a lot. And there's... Yeah, no, I'm good. The Rangers probably... What do you think the Rangers offered him? Because I think the number is like 4.5. I, I think they probably got to 5.5. And, and then that's as high as they went. That's as far as go, they'll go as well. The cop thing is really interesting. And I, I think we'll save that for next week. Kind of a... Because I just... I'm sure we'll talk about it in five-star questions as well. I'm not totally yeah. sold on cop. Like, I don't Neither really... Neither am I. I don't really I, well, I love think, it. I think, to me, and I'm interested to hear your take on this. So, sure. Like, we don't have to get into dirty numbers right now. But to me, while, again, I'm going to sit here and tell you the Rangers aren't exactly hard-capped out. They can make a couple moves and be judicious in how they spend their money, for sure. But they're they're not, like... They don't have to do a money-in, money-out move if they really wanted to, which is great and good. The most teams would kill for that kind of flexibility. But the more I think about guys like Cop, who I like and who I think plays a vital role on winning teams, like you want that guy. It's essentially the Barclay Goodrow conversation all over again, where to me, yeah, I, I want Cop, but do I really think Cop is going to be one of my six most important forwards for the next four years? No. If the dude. answer there is no, then why am I giving him a four-year deal at money that would have to make him one of my six most important forwards over the next four years. I think like, he's an amazing, like amazing three C like top yes. tier three C the Great. problem, the problem, the Rangers and most good teams find themselves in, which is, you know, it's like the worm eating the worm. These kind of players, you just can't get them on short term deals, which means more times than not. And we saw with Barkley Goodrow teams, just suck it up and give them years understanding that like they can control the years more than they can control the dollar. So cop is not under any circumstance, probably I should say at least going to sign for fewer than four years. Why would he? He's 28 years old. He's been a highly effective player. A team just traded a first round pick for him at the deadline. Other teams see that as perceived value. They're going to give him a fairly long term contract, but for the type of player that he is, I think that spot in your lineup, it, you just need those guys. You need a different guy every two years. They're essentially congressmen. Like, you can be a really effective congressman, but you shouldn't be in Congress for that many years. That's my general opinion. <laughs> Politics. Got there. Episode. We finally got there. That's right. But, like, Stitch it's just points. so hard to find those guys. And I, I, did a, I did a fairly deep dive on the, the center market this year of, like, a highly effective player still – who would probably accept a two-year deal, and they're just older dudes. Like, I am going to plant my flag this summer on Paul Stasny. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. 36 years old, though, but he's 20-plus goal scorer in his age 36 season, highly effective offensively, has played for Gallant before, by the way, which is usually a nice thing you like to bring up in these kind of moments. Uh, and it's he's a guy you bring in on a two-year deal, Evolving Wild had him at about $3.6, $3.8 million annually. You are okay if he ends up playing behind Phil Heedle. In fact, you'd look for opportunities to push him a little further down the lineup in some games because you want to make sure the miles are there for the postseason. He's an ideal guy to bring in where if I, the, the, if I ask him to do certain things offensively, he's going to do it. And if I need him to step up in certain moments, he can do it. But if I also need him to take a step back, maybe play 12 minutes a night on the third line with one of my kids like Vitaly Kravtsov, I'm starting to feel really good about that third line too. The difference there 
for me is like you can play cop on your penalty kill and feel good about it. Stasny doesn't play on the penalty kill. So I didn't, you know, I, it, it becomes a question of like, if Sammy Blake comes back, is that something that he can do? Uh, can we finally ask Kako to play penalty kill minutes? Is he ready for that part of the game? Can we find, it, yes. Can we finally do that? Please, <laughs> please. You, you start, you like, you start asking questions and you start asking more from other people by signing Stasny instead of cop, but you sign Stasny just because the, the term window just makes so much sense. You Four years is too much for for signing a guy like Cop. It's just and like, I just, but it's to me, it's not just the years. It's just like I don't want to be putting the Rangers in a position where I'm now finding excuses to not give Heedle more run. I want a security blanket for Heedle. I want that clear. I want to make sure I have a guy on my team where if Heedle stumbles a couple 20, 25 games into the season, I can move Heedle down for a breather move another guy up and don't feel like I'm really sacrificing much in my top six. But I also want a guy who I'm not committed to long-term and who's going to be okay playing third-line center minutes. Stasny was just playing third-line center minutes with Winnipeg. You think he's going to have a problem coming to New York? And you're going to be like, hey, by the way, why don't you play with Barkley Goodrow and Vitaly Kravtsov? And he's going to have a problem with that? Don't think and so. And by the way, by the way, in some games, you'll be playing with Artemi Panarin. And I'm going to think about putting you on the power play too. He's going to say fucking no. Paul Stasny? Come on. Uh, that Stasny this summer is going to be my play, my flag guy, I think. I get it. Let's get to five-star questions. We've already done 40 minutes, so we have a lot of questions to go through here. So let's start with our, our good, dear friend, Matty Jack. Kreider uh, scored 50-plus goals this year. Igor put up the best goaltending performance in modern hockey for 75% of the season. Panarin put up 96 points, and not to mention the post-trade downline additions that we can't, can't afford next year. I know the Rangers' could contention, contention window just opened, but why does it feel like this was our best shot? This is, I think, another talking point that I'm going to have a lot of uh, pushback on, I think, throughout the year, the summer specifically. I, in theory, you could say that the window should be opening, right? Because we still expect Lafreniere to get better. Like, we don't expect Lafreniere to have just 19 goals and 31 points. No, and if they sign Cop and Cop plays power play one right away, I'll be screaming. But, yes, keep going. Right. And like I, the Panarin point, I, I still feel like 96 points as well within his wheelhouse. Like that's, that's fine. It's just some things you can't expect next year. You can't expect Chris Kreider to score 52 goals. You can't expect Igor Shesterkin to be this. I like, I'm not saying he's going to be bad, but there's a very clear possibility that this is the best season you'll ever get out of Igor Shesterkin. And that's a realistic possibility. Um, you can't expect the things to break the Rangers' way. Like, so many things had to go right for them to get by Pittsburgh. So many things had to go right for them to get by Carolina. You could make good arguments to me that this could have been a plateau and not the tip of the iceberg. At the same time, you know, look at the look at the rest of the conference, right? The Bruins are preparing to take a massive step backwards. The Islanders just fired uh, Carolina, their coach. is going to lose a couple key contributors this summer, it seems like. At least with, you know, shitbag D'Angelo and probably Vincent Trocek. Um, the Flyers are in upheaval. The Islanders got rid of Barry Trotz. The Devils so have while to prove they can go to Islanders, Yes. Yeah. There are question marks with every team. The Rangers question marks to me are at least like 
the players, I don't think some players are going to be as good as they were this season, right? But we still expect growth from other people. If Kreider takes a step back and goes from 50 goals to, say, 30, again, I expect Lafreniere to go up from 19. I expect Heedle to go. Heedle had 22 points in the regular season. That seems, After rid- what that seems ridiculous. Playoffs, <laughs> you think he's going to at least double that, right? Like, there are – Keandre Miller – was such a different player in the second half of the season than the first half of the season. You'd think the the steps Braden Schneider made, who wasn't – the Rangers opened the season with a defensive pair that didn't involve Braden Schneider. Next season, they're probably going to open the season with a defensive pair that definitely involves Schneider and one of Lundquist and Jones. So, like, the Rangers will be improving simply by staying the course. But the big questions for them is just, like, as much as we as much as we dunk on Ryan Strom, there's no guarantee – that whoever you put between Panarin is going to be able to be that guy. There's no guarantee that Adam Fox is just going to be able to be a 70-point defenseman every year of his career, though it sure does seem like it. Ryan Lindgren's body sooner or later is going to betray him. There are there are little things that, yeah, I, I, I could see the cracks and in the armor, but I could also very easily talk myself into, well – other players should be on the rise, so any player coming on the dip should be carried. But to me, it, the the big thing that makes this season feel like it, it might not be plausible again, it, it's just Igor. But if Igor – listen, if Igor can be this, then Jesus Christ, we're good forever. Like, forget it. I don't have to worry about much of anything. It's just an 82-game season of dominoes where all I have to do is put pieces in the right place, knock them all down at the same time, and I'll get to the playoffs. Ain't that big of a deal. If Igor is able to be Igor like this – we're good. I'm we're, not too we got it. The window is open but, for a significant amount of time if Igor is like this. But that's, that's such a big if. Like it's, The thing that made Hank again, special like, was the consistency over every single year. There there are but goalies not, who get not hot just every that. year. He, not just that. Henrik did it 70 games a year. Like, this is the most hockey Igor Shosturkin has ever played. And honestly, he played 53 games in the regular season. I can't see him playing more than that. And while I – listen, I don't care at all who the backup goalie is. If you can – be a productive hockey team in 30 games that a Georgiev like goalie puts in sure, fine, whatever. All you have to do is be 500 in those games because if Igor's in the rest of your games, you're making the playoffs, not worried about it in the slightest, but it's, it's really hard for me to sit here and say, I expect this from Igor every year. That just seems unfair. This is from David. Uh, is it symbolic that the Strom's last act as a Ranger was missing an empty net and fucking up the lineup and having a better player benched in his elimination game? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, so. I, it's perfect. I, I was trying to. Can you can you think of a player, Rangers or otherwise, on any of the teams you have faintly rooted for in your life, mm-hmm. where you've just like been more more very okay with the fact that they're not coming back after their free agents. Not very okay. Like I will miss Ryan Strom and I will have a time next year where I go, man, I really miss Ryan Strom. Uh, but right now it feels like I don't, and I don't, I'm not sure you'll feel that way if the Rangers are good. And here's why. Um, because I think Strom for me is Michael Conforto where like really good when he's around. I, now he's gone. You don't really, really think about him really good when he's around in the off season. I was like, man, can we really live? without that guy i mean he had a down year but he's not all that like he's a really good player maybe we should just bring him back like what are, come on we can't really replace he's very similar guy. to aaron judge and then like 
Yeah. You just, yeah. And then you, <laughs> I remember those years. Those years are fun. Those are fun um, years. By the way, Aaron Judge is going to look great in a Met uniform next year. Really excited about that. Well, you just, uh, you just, but like six people just turned out this podcast. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't care. He's going to look great. You think I'm going to shut up when Judge is a Met? I'm sure not. Um, but like Conforto walks and all of a sudden you realize that all you had to do was have like con- competent veteran adults in the outfield and you wouldn't actually miss what he does. Like all of a sudden I, I get Starling Marte and Marcana. Yeah, I'm fine without Michael Conforto. It's like, I, to me, it's unlike Conforto, like with Strom, I honestly can't see a scenario on where he comes back. If he signed the contract and the Rangers are like, we got Strom for five more years. I'd be like, I'm not going to have fun with this. Like, yeah, I, I don't see it happening. I know he says his heart with the New York Rangers. I just don't see them. They were trying to trade him for three years, not coming back. Uh, this yeah, is... I mean, I don't think I don't think the Rangers. Panarin <sighs> wants him back. I'll tell you that. Panarin literally sent a text cool. to Chris Drury today. He was like, hey, for, from, sent from Nokia phone. I don't, please, you, you please resign Nokia's? best friend. You sure? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. No, the Rangers will get, the Rangers will get Panarin a new karaoke machine. He'll be fine. I'm not uh, too worried about boy, that. I, also, I think, it's just like. BSBOT this week is just going to be breaking down all those quotes in case you guys were wondering. We're going to read every single quote and break them down. Uh, I just uh, made that up, but that's I, yeah, probably I, what's going to happen. So there you go. I would say I would say the difference between Strom and Conforto for me is Conforto, if the Mets re-signed him, I could have talked myself into it. With Strom, I just don't think I've ever been more done with a very productive player more in my entire life. Like, I just, I, I, I just don't have any more rooting interest left in Ryan Strom. Don't have any. This is from Gray Red. I know that your support you support the argument that if you can't name a good replacement, you can't fire a coach. But assuming there is one, if is Galant's coaching decisions in the playoffs a fireable offense? I think it's close. Uh, but he got in the Easter Conference Finals, and there's absolutely zero percent chance he's fired. The answer would be Barry Trotz or Bruce Cassidy. There you go. I think in a normal off season, if this happened last year, I would not be on this podcast being like, "Fire Galant." I would. I would. Be, be very angry with Kalea at the same level of anger that I am right now. I think what makes this offseason different is Trotz is available, Cassidy is available, DeBoer is available. Like, there are three dudes who I class higher than Gallant available. At the same time, 0%, 0% chance. It'll never – there's no way – short of Gallant doing something that got him suspended or physically killing one of his own players – Drury, he, he doesn't have he, – he's not going to do it. It's just not going to happen. This first, so it's, oh. it's just not – it's not as fun to do those hypotheticals because it, it – would Cassidy be better with the Rangers? Yeah. Would Trotz? Yeah, absolutely. DeBoer, I think it's more of an argument that I'd be in favor of, but I, it's just – it's not happening. Zero percent chance. This is from Space Cadet. Do you think Kako gets offer sheeted this offseason? We kind of talked about this, but I will say the two teams to look out for is, is Montreal. Obviously, Gorton is there, and the second team I think is Detroit. Never trust Stevie Y. Uh, this I would, tri- yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I think Iserman, we do forget that he is a 200 hockey man, and I think he appreciates that no one really sniped his dudes. So I think That's he, a good point. I, I think Montreal will poke around. They'll ask. They'll call. That's yeah, I, but again, I, I understand why people are worried about offer sheets because we talk about them a lot, and we, we say how valuable they are a lot. But here's the thing. Nobody fucking uses them. So why why am I going to sit here and be upset and be worried about it? Bradley asks, are the lightning to us what the Penguins were to the Capitals? No. no. I don't think so. Well, and very... also, like, 
it's seven years in between Eastern Conference. It happened like five years in a row. Yeah, like again, how many times was the point brought up that only two players were on that New York Ranger team that lost to the Lightning, and one of them was now playing for the Lightning? So like, it's a completely different team. Yeah, it's not Crosby Ovechkin going back and forth. Yeah, it's it's not happening every year. Yeah, yeah, it's not. If it was happening every year, then would it would be like a bugaboo situation? But it's seven years in between. This is from Dio Ryan. Uh, there's obviously going to be a lot of criticism on Gallant and some of his decisions he made during the playoffs. I don't think there will be enough questions about his actual X's and O's. How much of the lack of scoring at 5v5 is tied to Gallant's use of the dump and chase? That's a great question. Uh, and I wish I could answer it a little bit better because I, I think the Rangers struggle at 5v5 all year, and I'm not sure that's a system problem it could just be like the, the talent issue they did get better at 5v5 and then they lost their legs after they played every other day for 70 days yeah it's i think some things are muddled uh between the first half of the the, the pre-trade deadline rangers weren't good at 5v5 because they simply either didn't have enough good players or weren't putting their good players in positions to succeed and that's painfully true um but the post-deadline Rangers, when they've added actual hockey players, three of them, Mott, Vetrano, Cop, to their lineup, they started producing better at 5-on-5. Five five. And they were decent through times in the playoffs at 5v5 as well. To me, the crazy thing is the, the Rangers were dumping and chasing because they had no more energy to get through the blue line. And they're like, if I just try to skate around these guys, maybe I can go retrieve the puck. The dump and chase to me is... Like, it's just an exhaustion tactic. I was much more frustrated, and I can't believe I'm, I'm calling back to David Quinn uh, criticisms at this point. But, like, the Rangers were just so in love with those Rainbow Road passes. I know it's Royal Road, people, but every time I see Royal Road, I think Rainbow Road. Therefore, I, Greg, call it Rainbow Road. That's what my brain sees when everyone talks about these cross-size passes through traffic. The lightning at the Hurricanes were the first team that were like, oh, all we have to do is clog the lanes and the Rangers won't generate any offense. That's a novel idea. Let's do that. And then it took two games for the Lightning to be like, oh, we finally got tapes for those Hurricanes games. This is all we have to do, and we can win this series too. Like, there are, in game six itself, or no, game five, game five, we've talked about the four moments in which the Rangers should have scored that they didn't. And two of them where Lafreniere and Cop making passes over the middle of the ice instead of just being aggressive with the puck themselves. Like, how many times on this show, Ryan, have you and I or I said to you that I just wish this Ranger team was more selfish? Like, that to me is a bigger problem than dumping and chasing. I don't really think the dump and chase was was a staple of the Ranger offense this season. It seemed like it was in the playoffs because they were so fucking tired. To me, it's making these extra passes that drive me insane. And I don't know how you coach that out of players. Jake Barrow asks a similar question is what problem, what problems arose these playoffs? Aren't we talking about enough? What improvements need to be made that probably will be overshadowed by the biggest, biggest talking points, such as like Kako and such like that. Uh, the five V five play and finding ways to actually control puck possession. It has to happen. But again, as Greg just pointed out, uh, they were absolutely exhausted. And I think the development of, of some of the defensemen and their offensive skills it's going to really help that, such as Keandre Miller is going to have a better offense, offensive game as we go here. I think Zach Jones and Schneider are going to develop a lot a lot faster. Obviously, Fox will be a little bit healthier next year. And that will allow us to have a little bit of a better puck possession cycle play 
uh, going into next year. I think that it's going to improve the 5v5 too. And I think you can expect these kids who are more skilled players to to kind of affect that as well. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, and then like, you know, there's no reason for Jacob Trouba to be on a power play. That's another thing that like will probably get overshadowed. Like it's something we absolutely would have talked about had Kako not been scratched in game six. I think it's a little ridiculous at this point in time that Truba continues to see ice in moments where like, it's just understanding what roles your players serve and better using those players. It's just like, those are, I understand power play too. only sees 35 seconds per power play, but just be more creative in those 35 seconds. Truba just isn't that guy. And that's something we would have been talking about if it didn't get this giant black hole of a bad coaching decision in game six. This is from Holmes. Uh, do you have the number for a good power skating coach in the Helsinki area from your savior? Yeah, uh, I think Kapokako and Alexi Lafreniere. Alexi Lafreniere even said today, uh, I need to get a skating coach in the offseason. And I agree with him. So that'll be the one of two things they work on as they have two months off? Question mark? Yeah, I, 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 crazy, crazy thing. I still expect my 20 and 21-year-old wingers to continue to improve their game. Oh, crazy. Totally wild idea. This is from, uh, this is from Dr. Zairis. Pasta? I don't think so. <laughs> I, no. I, the pasta, the Pasternak thing, I don't really get. I don't see why the Rangers would trade everyone to get him and go all in for one more year. Extending him would be really hard. Like, I know we talked about how they had money earlier, but extending well, Pasternak you, Again, is you, you could extend him, but, like, if you're trading for Pasternak, Ranger fans need to understand that Lafreniere has to be going the other way, not just because of the type of player you are trading for, but you just can't afford Lafreniere anymore. Can't do it. You Every dollar in the future you'd be giving Lafreniere, you're just giving to Pasternak. And while that's a, it's a question that you can bring up and we can, it's a conversation we can have, if you're not willing to admit that is what it will take to get Pasternak, then I, it's, there's no point in talking about it. Uh, if Kako is this from Adam Koplik, if Kako is traded, what's the minimum return for you not to be extremely pissed off? A second in Sammy Boulay. I think that's where I, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> um, no, but that, that's like that's the thing. I don't think it would take multiple firsts to get Kapokako in the trade so right either. now. But the Rangers, under no circumstance, could trade Kapokako without getting multiple firsts in return. This again, like it's you can't you have to trade him based on what you think he will be and not what he's been. And no team will want to pay the price for what the Rangers think he will be, unless the Rangers think he'll be shitty, in which case they could probably get him cheap. This is from Viking Draft. Who do you expect to be the number two goal, goalie next season? Keith Kincaid. Yeah, baby. My You, boy. Ryan, I don't care. <laughs> like, there's no... Honestly, I there was a moment today where I was like, look, if the Rangers bring back Libra as their seventh defenseman, I'm not going to give a shit. I caught myself in that second because it was a ridiculous second for me to live in. But I can't stress this enough. And this is why it pissed us off so many times when the Rangers just didn't trade Georgiev before. I don't care who the backup goalie is. When you have Igor Shosturkin, if he gets hurt, your season's fucked anyway. So who cares? Like, I just don't care. It doesn't matter. Whoever it is, good for them. I hope it's our friend Keith. That'd be really fun for you and I. That would be fun. it does not fucking matter. It really doesn't. This is from Saji. Should the Rangers feel as though the season was ultimately a success and walk away from the big UFA or trade splash and rely on the current kids continuing to grow upwards after the playoffs, as well as the next waves of kids coming, such as Othman, Cooley, Jones, etc.? 
Uh, I, I think they won't do much. I think there is a chance they, they make, like, like Greg talked about earlier, Paul Stasny, like something like that. Maybe they explore a trade for a 2C that has, like, some term on him. But outside of that, I think... I don't. I don't see like big splashes this summer. Do no, you? No, I no. I, I expect the Rangers to bring in a center who is not currently under contract. So that includes Cop, right? I expect them to sign a center currently not under contract. I expect them to add a veteran defenseman to replace Patrick Nemeth after they buy out Patrick Nemeth. I expect them to sign a backup goalie. That's about it. Like. I honestly, at this point, I don't totally expect them to even bring in a player the caliber enough to trade Niels Lundqvist for. I really think the Rangers are just going to sit pat. They're going to keep their pieces, and they're going to start the season. If they need to make a big move, they're going to have the Lundqvists of the world to trade before or at the trade deadline and make that corrective move that they couldn't make this summer. I think this summer will be about as boring as last summer was Minus the Eichel rumors. Does go, uh, Sean N asks, does Gallant not explaining to Kako and Scratch bode well for his future when we need cheap young talent to remain competitive? Feels like a lot of sports organizations are looking for coaches that relate, communicate well with young players, and Gallant seems to go against that trend. The whole reason he's hired and partially to be here is to be a communicator, and he failed at doing that. Well, no, uh, I, so- I think I think he wanted they wanted a veteran presence behind the bench to lead this team and take it to the next step. But I think we often forget the, the Ryan Strom quote that stands out, especially now more than any other is in the middle of the season. He just said the biggest difference between Gallant and Quinn is Gallant says nothing to everybody. And hockey players liked that hockey players are fucking weird. There's a difference between saying nothing and having hard conversations again, like Gallant's a hockey player, not an adult. Um, I think Quinn was an adult more than he was a hockey coach. And I think there's a happy middle between the two that I wish the Rangers could find. And I I don't think Gallant is that. I know Quinn wasn't that. But I I bet you before game five, I bet before game six, if you asked Capo Caco honestly, a.k.a. if a Finnish reporter asked Capo Caco if he had a positive or negative opinion about Gallant, he'd say it's been a more enjoyable experience playing for him than it did for Quinn. I bet that's, you anything. There's that's no what doubt Kaka about would have it. said. There's it's, no it, doubt. I about it. It's it is one decision that is clouding our entire Kako judgment, and it's tough because it was one decision in the most important game of the year that decided if the Rangers season continued or ended. And it's hard to get past that point. But I I, I think Kako is mature enough and smart enough to not let one moment in time dictate his entire future, but also. The fact that we need to have this conversation because of that one moment in time is a colossal failure by the head coach. And I, I, I don't know. Hockey players are different than every other sport. I know that. And I know the way they interact with coaches is different than any other sport. And it's weird and it's hard to relate to. But I'm not excusing anything Gerard Gallant did, Gallant did leading up to game six and the things that occurred in game six. He's a dumb fuck. And he sucked in that game. That's clear. At the same time, I bet you Kako still has a pretty positive opinion of the man. Wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Uh, this is from E.R. Shesterkin. Now that the season is over, what is your letter grade A to F review of ESPN's first season of national co- hockey coverage? 
I'm talking complete, completely holistically, including how it compared to NBC's coverage in all aspects on and off the ice. ESPN's audio is so bad, I want to die. The uh, is There's little demon voices coming out for five of the first games of the Rangers. It was unbelievably horrible. I think Messier is just okay on the desk. I think the... the I think it's done really great things for the game of hockey. I think it's got brought more eyes onto the game in a big way. You saw the numbers. I, I know the Rangers playing the Eastern Conference Finals helped what was going on for the ratings. But on top of that, I think you saw that they, they had really high interaction rates. I think they did just an okay job. I'm going to give them a nice B minus. I I I first of all, I appreciate a lot of swings that ESPN took. I think my problem with ESPN this year was that they were taking too many swings. It's like they didn't want their coverage to be as stale as NBC's was at the end. So they tried to jam pack everything into these broadcasts. And I just didn't need all those things. But I'll say this, and I've said this about players too. I'd rather rather have problems with people being too aggressive in trying to change something as opposed to being way too passive in trying to cover something. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I agree with you. It, it, it was choppy at best. Uh, I am not an audiophile like you, mostly because I am half deaf. So I, I, I don't notice those things as well as you do. I would probably agree with the B minus because I, I just, they really, really tried to push the needle and I don't think they quite got there. I think uh, I didn't spend any time, with their pre or post game coverage, I didn't spend any time with their intermission coverage. I, I would literally change. I spent channel. time on that, and I gotta yeah. give credit to TNT because I'd literally watch the TNT ones where I could not watch the ESPN ones. I yeah, but was... TNT is just like, do you see what we do with NBA on TNT? Why don't we just do that? And it with works. ES... It's awesome. I know, I know, but like ESPN, the crazy thing about ESPN is, I can't remember the last time I liked their Sunday night baseball coverage. I can't remember the last time I liked their NBA countdown coverage. The things that work at ESPN are like college game day and, and NFL Smith. countdown. Yeah. But they don't do those things with other sports. It's like their non-football coverage is pretty bad. And I think we forget that more times than not. Like, how I, you're a Bill Simmons boy. How often does that man complain about countdown? They complain about it all fucking day. And he was the Celtics I, many, in countdown like every other podcast. How many times do you and I complain about Sunday Night Baseball? I refused to watch ESPN. The Mets were on Sunday Night Baseball this past Sunday. I made sure I was doing something else so I could have the Met game on mute and just look at it for the pictures. It's like we do forget that ESPN, despite being the, the national sports leader, kind of sucks at non-football. Really do. Like, SportsCenter kind of sucks now. Well, yeah, so SportsCenter doesn't have, like, a home anymore. Yeah, it, SVP, it, it, I don't consider – well, I consider that the Scott Van Pelt show. I don't consider it SportsCenter. I yep. think it's great for what it is, but it's not SportsCenter. It's just like we. I think ES, hockey needs to be on ESPN. More eyeballs will go to hockey because it's on ESPN. They can definitely improve from this season. I think they took way too many swings, but I also think we probably set the bar too high for them off the bat because we do just forget just how fucking bad they are at non-football sports. Uh, let's go to some Twitter questions and then we'll end the show. This is from Ice Witch of the Frozen North. Here's mine. Are you all doing all right after all the podcasts you did? No. Uh, I'm better. I'm honestly better today. I'm not. I'm still getting I I need a couple more days. I'm – could you imagine, Ryan, tonight would have been game seven. No, dude. 
<laughs> Sorry. We would like, have had I, to do we would I have had to Rangers do an were, hour were after game seven. I wish they were there and I wish they were playing, but mentally, I can't even think about that right now. I, yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll also say, that. like, listen, I think our friends noticed that we were going into a psychosis as well. Like our buddy Vin, who's getting married this weekend, was actively rooting for the lightning because he didn't want to think about what a game two he messaged me OT today. He would like, have sound like. I'm glad you don't have to do a podcast at our wedding. <laughs> Look, yeah. yeah, and he's not saying that because he's like, now you get to enjoy the wedding. I think he was legitimately terrified what it would have meant if you and I had to podcast after an entire day worth of wedding. Yep, uh, we would have. Anyway, I'm going to therapy. This is from Joseph. If Drury thinks Gallant isn't the head coach to get them to the cup, history suggests he's not. He's 1.5 years away from being fired at this point. Why not fire him now for a youth-friendly coach? Just got off the Eastern Conference Finals. There's no chance they do it. I can see your logic, though. There's three great coaches out there. Hard for me to complain about it. Uh, yeah, we, I just... We talked about it but, extensively, so... Yeah, and also... The, this is a point I made in the insider chat today that I think it's important to repeat on here. It is interesting. Every other sport, there is more than ever, the line has been blurred between front office and coaching staff, right? It seems like in baseball specifically, the front office is involved heavily in just about everything the coaching staff is doing. Basketball, more or less the same. I even think football, like the fingerprints of front offices are more entrenched into the way a team plays, the way a team's coached more than ever, right? Back in the old days, in the 80s and in the 90s, you'd hire an experienced coach, you would put people in front of them, and you'd expect them to take those people to great heights. And I just don't think that's how sports works anymore, except in the National Hockey League, where it doesn't feel like there's a ton of um, harm, but not harmony, because I think Drury and Gallant like each other. I think they both have an understanding of players that work well under one another, but it's almost like Drury is still just putting the pieces in front of Gallant and trusts Gallant to use those pieces best. It's almost, it's, it's weird to think about because this will not, Gerard Gallant is not going to be the only coach Chris Drury hires. The, the, the probability of that is, is extremely low. Drury's going to have at least another hire before Dolan thinks of firing him. So why would you put so much trust in one man who you are absolutely going to out-tenure. Wouldn't you want to be more actively involved in the day-to-day decision-making, the makeup of the lineup, where players play and with whom? I would think you would, but that's not how hockey thinks, and it's still kind of mind-boggling to me. It's from our good friend Corbo. What up, Corbo? Uh, with with Strowman Cop looking, looking to be out, what are your thoughts on going after Dylan Larkin? 6.1 cap hit next season, UFA after that. Solves a lot of issues in the face-off circle, physical presence, gets to play next to bread. Cost wouldn't be that high, hopefully. Uh, well, I boy. think the cost would be ex- exuberant. Oh, no, he said, uh, sorry, the cost would be high, but worth it is what he said. My apologies. It's exactly uh, I, I don't think that the Wings give up on Larkin. They, like, love him. He's their crier. Hey, uh, by the way, just just throwing this out there for you, sure. uh, Paul Stasny's face-off win percentage, 56.6. Pretty good. This is from uh, Kreider for 50. He did. Uh, do you think for Toronto is one of the more valuable free agents? Personally, I think he is, he is unless we can get another person who shoots as much as him. Uh, I think the answer for that is Vitaly Krasov. Like, there I, I think the answer for that is Alexi Lafreniere. Like, if, if the one thing Frank Vitrano does is shoot the puck a lot, you're telling me it's too hard to just tell one of the young wingers the Rangers have to be like, 
Hey, you know what? You, you have do the more? green light. You Shoot. have the green light. You have the yeah. green light. Go. Yeah, and I, I think if anything, Vitrano, I think Vitrano's comments were so strong today, uh, in terms of his exit interview about how much he loved playing here, because I think Vitrano is smart enough to know that he's probably the most replaceable man on the roster. All I have to do is convince one of my highly skilled players to shoot the puck more. That really shouldn't be that hard. It 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 can't possibly be that hard. Uh, this is from RVDNSX. If the Rangers can trim some fat off the team, like such as Nemeth, Georgiev, uh, Hayek, and Gauthier, is there any chance they can keep Cop, Mott, and Vitrano at somewhat team-friendly deals? Cop will probably want term, but maybe uh, one, one or two years deals for Mott and Vitrano. I think either none of them come back or it's just Cop. I think Mott's totally out. I think Frank's going to get a, a nice deal from a team, and I, I don't see... I don't see any like I just cop only is the only one. I think yeah, I think, I, honestly, totally I, think I think the Rangers deal with Barclay Goodrow actually tanked their own chance at Tyler Mott. I think that guy's going to get four year deal somewhere. And as much as I love Mott, that's again it's the same thing I say with Barclay. The whole point is to find the next Mott and not pay the current one. I love him. I wish he would come back on a one or two year deal at two million dollars a year. It's just not going to happen. The market for him is going to be crazy. Um, I, I'm, I couldn't, it's not that I dislike Frank Vetrano. It's just, I think you can find Frank Vetrano at every trade deadline. So, and you'd only have to pay a fourth round pick to do it. So I don't really want, I'd rather have a carousel of different Frank Vetranos every year to come in, play 40 games and then leave. And, oh no, I'll never have a fourth round pick. I think I'll be fine. And then for me, when it comes to cop, it's just like, do I really want to pay top six money to a guy that I don't think is going to be among the six most important players on this team in three years? And I, I to me, it's I, it's hard to do, but I think right now the Rangers are in a perfect position where they should just be getting different centers every two years to play that middle six role until we know for sure what Phil Heedle is. And then once we know what Phil Heedle is, we're shopping for a different caliber center. So to me... Staz, I'm, I'm just going to, the amount of, the, count him, Ryan. Get it like a Stasny counter going, because I'm just going to keep saying his name. Do you know that since 2018, he's had a face-off win percentage above 54% every season? It's pretty Respect. good. It's pretty good. Um, this is from Sean Dees. Who would you like to see next to Schneider next year, Jones or Lundqvist? It will be Jones. Will I'd also like to see Jones. I just, yep. I don't know. I mean, I. it's not a knock on Lundqvist. It's just Jones... I don't know. I, he, I just, he was I around like, the season. I had a good time. I'd like to see you, more. You know what it is? Uh, Jones has the higher floor, whereas Lundqvist has the higher ceiling. But with a team like the Rangers, the current position they are in, sometimes you just in in a bottom th- bottom pairing. I I honestly just feel safer with the higher floor. Really, what? Uh, Brett Am asks, "What's the craziest move you'd like to see the Rangers make this offseason? I think keep Capocacco and extend him for two year bridge. Oh, that's a crazy move, Ryan. That's that's nuts. Absolutely nuts, nuts and wild. Uh, uh, for me, for me, it's Paul, Paul Stastny. That's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this is a two part question. One's from Danny G, and the other one's from uh, FMVP Deuce Tatum. Very fun. Uh, future's looking pretty bright. My question: Why not us? And the question after that is from Deuce Tatum, which is: Why wasn't it us? And the answer is because we can't score at five v five. That's why. Uh, that I mean, they died. That's the reason. They died. Yeah. They died. <laughs> That's it. 
Uh, gut feeling. Uh, this is from Stephen Curry. Actually, what? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Steph Curry. The at is actually Steph Curry. Curry ninety three. Gut feeling. Uh, uh, what to do at center? I am hoping they do not bring back Cop. I would rather promote Heedle. What's and find a reasonably priced three C? Who could that be? <clears throat> Ray, you want to say anything? <laughs> I got a I got a stasny in my throat. I just, I uh, it out. This is from Richard C. What is the most amount you would give to cop and still like the deal? For me, it's anything below six million and four years max. Even then, I'm a little bit like, uh, man, uh, I had, ah, God, that like five and a half doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? It's 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 not that he doesn't deserve it. It's just, it's like, just like if he would if he was like all right four years four million. I'm like man, that's a steal, steal. But it's like, it's like I liked a lot of what Cop did this year. I really did, and I enjoy him as a player. But like, by backing up the truck for him, I don't really. I don't think Jets fans would tell you to do that. I don't think Jets fans would say, "Hey, I think Cop's actually a really great two C." My man, he know, played wing like the but whole it, playoffs. It's also it's also the fact that like, why do I have to lock in him for four? Like, why do I have to lock into a two C right now? I just went through this crazy spring fling with this young hot flame, and I'd like to see what he could do. Why do I have to? Why do I have to create a hurdle for a guy that I think might be as good, if not better? Then the guy I'm now locking up to a four-year deal. Why can't I just bring in a safety net who's very good in his own right and just make sure my guy is protected instead of just handing the keys to someone else and be like, no, we've decided what you are already, 22-year-old who finally found his legs in the most important time of the year. Mm-hmm. All right, two more questions that we're done here. Uh, this is from Blue Shirts. Brian, do you think it's okay for Gallant to dodge questions regarding players? Uh, no, I don't. I, I, how many times do we have to go on shows and say the way that it, this just wouldn't be acceptable on any other beat. And I, but at the same time, I can't sit here and say what I would do differently. If I was the New York beat, I, I mean, I personally probably would have stood up and got the fuck out of the press conference. As soon as he said, I'm not talking about Kako because I don't have any more questions for you. If you're not going to answer the one question I need answered before everyone else, but like, he he'd be getting flamed if he did that on in a meta Yankee scrum. He'd be getting t- t- torched to the moon if he did that in front of the Knicks beat. Forget it. But it, you know what? It's also it's not just the Rangers beat specifically. The National beats let Gallant do this shit. Like imagine Windhorse being in that press conference asking that question and Gallant being like, "I'm not answering." Windhorse would be like, "Go fuck yourself." <laughs> okay. See you later. Here's. 3,000 scathing words about how you're a douche and shouldn't be a coach at all. And you know what? Millions upon millions of people are going to read it, and they're all going to agree with me because you're an ass. Like the, the national beat, what? I'm sure Friedman was probably laughing about it on 32 Thoughts. I'm sure Merrick had a very pointed take on it, but it's like, what are you going to do? Old hockey guy sometimes, am I right? Like this is the same – these are the same people that let Lou Lamorello never talk to anybody. Why – now we're going to hold someone accountable? You've created this mess. All of you. Yeah. What do you expect Galant to do? My last, He's never my been last, pressured in his life. <laughs> agree with you. My last question is from Ishan, and we're not ignoring him. It's going to be, all, do all four lines when the puck drops at the first games of the regular season. Do you want to say that? We'll, we'll tease that for OT? Uh, no, I, I could give you right now. Cool. You want, you want mine right now? Sure. 
All four lines? Yep. Kreider, Zibanejad, Lafreniere. Okay, I see it. Panarin, Hedl, Kako. If if Panarin ever plays with Kako again, yes. Well, he's going to fucking do it. Uh, he has to. Good, Goodrow, Stasny, Kravtsov. Kind of like that line. <laughs> Hunt, Hunt, Rydal, and Blay with Reeves as the 13th forward. Done. Let's get to work. I'm good. I'm also, we went this entire podcast. We did not talk about Gustav Rydal for more than... The 15 seconds we just said his name was. Well, good, good news. We had all summer. So, <laughs> good news. All right. This has been a BSB episode for the whole season saying goodbye to you. Uh, thank you so much for the support. It's been an absolutely wild ride. I can't believe the Rangers went this far. Greg and I need a vacation. We'll be getting some, I'm sure, at some point. No, no we won't. We're still recording podcasts. Oh, yeah. What we're doing a podcast every single week. We have been for the last seven years. Right. Of course. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. All right. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, with BSBOT on Wednesday night-ish, it'll be out. And then uh, we'll be back next week where we do what we do every single week on this podcast. Break down the yeah, New York Rangers. Like next, next week, I'll be coming off back-to-back weddings. And when I say back-to-back weddings, I don't mean a second wedding weekend in a row. I mean, I have a wedding Friday and a wedding Saturday. Who's Saturday? Uh, Buddy Randy. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm fucked. Yeah, that's a lot, man. Yeah, I'm not looking forward. It's technically three. Because I'm in the first wedding, which means I have responsibilities on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Then Friday, the actual wedding. And then another wedding Saturday. So if I sound like a zombie on Monday. That's why. That's why. All right, yo. We'll be back then. We'll talk to you then. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, without further ado, I want to thank our NHL Insiders Club. We'll retalk all things NHL Insiders. I actually had the Kravtsov news early in there. Fun. Uh, and thank you so much. Now, I guess I'll do a long-winded one after I say 76 names here. But here we go. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen. Adam Cretulo, Adam Keach, Adam Gar- Alex Gartner, Amber Cohensberger, Anthony Terragata, Terragretta? Man, I messed that up. I, I think I got that right. Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Broadway Bleacher Bleeder, Chris Finelli, Chris Haru, uh, CJ Stellwagen. Uh, man, I'm struggling today. It's been a long week. Conrad P. Demich, Daniel Dezen, David Narodin, De- uh, David Siegel, Dennis Dites, Darian, Eric Stagg, Garrett Reynas, Give Gartner a Cup, Gretzky, Gareth McFly, Handel, Harrison, Hasco, Hip Hip, eighty nine, Hollis Sauce, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jake B, James Masker, welcome James, J- uh, Jamie Filippone, Jerry and Marquez, JD, Jimmy Mac, JJ, JJ, Frankie, JJ, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Keston, Bob, Justin Freeman, Christopher Florida, Christoph Berg, Laura Ross, Lazer Krolkowski, which eventually I'll get that right for the real time, Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kind, the legend himself, Meatball, a cat, another legend of his own right. Mike Buckle Neil Grover, Nicholas D. Nicola, Pascal Perrier, Pavel Kojarev, Pro World of Tanks Gamer. I still think that name is so funny. Randy Tester, Scottish Grant, Sean Taggart, Stephen Manella, Stig Bullbox, Swingard, Tommy Welsh, Tom Sinclair, Tom O'Neill, Tommy O'Neill. I said that twice. Tom Hurst Jr., Tory from Manhattan, Upstate Ben, Vinny Brocco, Vinny Hay, Will Spector, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Seriously, thank you so much for all the support you gave us this crazy season. Uh, this is my exit interview meeting. I think that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, it's been a great season for us. We played hard. We podcasted every single week. I think we gave it our all. I thought we started to lose our legs there during Game 5 and Game 6. Oh, no. game. I think Game 3, Game 4. I think Game 3 of the Tampa Bay series, I really lost my legs. That's when I was like trying to play my best, but I was just getting matchups by the New York Rangers where in Game 3 they lost. They had a 2-0 lead. and I said it was fine, but it probably wasn't really fine. Then I was depressed for like a couple hours. I walked around my house in silence and kind of just sat there and felt really bad about myself but I told myself like it was still okay they could get back into the series but they didn't and then they lost four in a row but every single time it was close and heartbreaking and then by the last game I didn't feel anything so that's my exit interview but my point is thank you so much 
for the support of this podcast because I couldn't be here without you. For real. All of you. And uh, we're going to keep doing the podcast as we do every single week. We've been doing it every week since November 2015. We'll keep it going. Uh, we'll be here covering all the New York Ranger news all season, summer long. BSBOTs every single week. And uh, we're really going to get into the nonsense. If this is your first time joining a BSB summer, got to tell you, it gets a little wild. There's going to be some interesting episodes. Uh, there'll be some good nonsense, and I hope you'll stick around for all the fun. We're also going to redo our Discord a little bit this offseason. I want to get a little more... Uh, uh, there's a lot of you now, like over a thousand. So I think it's a good time to uh, put events in there, a little bit more mods and organize things. And so if you have any feedback about the Discord and you're in it, send it over to me. Uh, I'm gonna make a little Google sheet, and I'd love to, I'd love to get some feedback and see what we can do to make things better. All right, love you guys. We'll be back next week, or actually, we'll be back on Wednesday night for BSBOT, and we'll talk to you then. Bye.